0: Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: Man, boy, howdy, ain't that the truth? Uh, afternoon, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with another edition of Amel Franzi's Voices of the West. We are streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson, the beautiful White Stallion Ranch. And I've just,
0: I was just, just I said earlier to Todd, looking out the window, there's a mountain back there. And it looks like the Diamond Head of the Desert.
1: There you go. Okay, uh, we've got uh, a great show coming up here. Uh, Melody Groves, Western Writers of America author. We've had her on a number of times. And her latest tome is When Outlaws Wore Badges. We don't need those stinking badges. Stinking badges yeah. So uh, we'll be talking with her in just a moment. But first, DeFrance has something he'd like to talk about. Well, I just
0: wanted to share Quickly. with you, uh, a fellow named Gary Rollins contacted me, oh, about a month and a half, two months ago, and... He was wanting to know if I could tell him where the set for the ranch house that Star Born was. Uh-huh. And so we went through all the stuff and talking, and had several phone conversations. And it was actually then the location for the Star is Born uh, honeymoon house, as, they, as yep. he calls it, was the old slash wife from Monty Walsh, which sadly they tore down to build that monster. But... What was so neat is he said I got it yesterday in the mail. He sent me a little uh, kind of a take on what he his experience with it, and it was really nice. He explained how he went about doing it, going out and finding it. Got a couple of pictures, and I just wanted to send a shout out to Gary Rollins. Thank you so much. I appreciate it,
1: and that just shows you the power of voices of the West. There you go. Melody Grows. good afternoon, our friend. How are you?
2: I am doing fine. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Good, good, good. What were uh, you doing in the garden anyway?
1: Yeah. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have a whole bunch of bell pepper, uh, new bell pepper plants out there, and some of them actually have little tiny bell peppers, and uh, some have um, blossoms on them, so I was out making sure that they were doing their thing.
1: You know, it's legal in... Uh, uh, in New Mexico now what's that it,
0: it
2: is it. I don't have to call them bell peppers anymore <laughs> okay <laughs> you,
1: can't, you have to call them hatch bell peppers are you going into chili peppers not unless they're from hatch I, do that. I am
2: hatch growing, actually I am growing some jalapenos too. Oh, good uh-huh Yum.
1: It's the soil. So when you come back to see us uh, for the book festival, you'll be bringing some with. Is that correct? I hope so. Salsa. You bet. (laughs) Lots of salsa? Salsa. Yeah, because
2: I'm growing tomatoes, too. Before
1: we get going here, my wife has read uh, just about every book that you have. And uh, she she wanted me to ask you, uh, and this is based on a movie that we saw where a little kid was talking about uh the the female lead and, and he says you know and she was a great shot and all that other stuff and and the kid said what about the girls how why do the girls get all of this and so my wife wants to know how did a girl like you get to write or uh, start writing westerns <laughs> <laughs> tell us how the girls get all
0: this
2: the <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, it was kind of interesting. I've I've always liked Westerns, uh, mainly on movies. And I read a, a couple Louis L'Amour, but, I, you know, it, it was okay. It, it, my dad was was really big into Western stuff. He even had a Stetson and et cetera, et cetera. My very first boyfriend would come to see me on his horse. <laughs> and nice. so it's kind of where I was. And uh, as I... Advanced in in age, you know, went through teen years and things like that. I would like I wrote westerns just because I I thought they were fun, mm-hmm. and but my mother, who was also a writer, would tell me she goes, "Oh no, westerns don't sell. You don't don't waste your time with that." Or, well, but that's what I'd like. Yeah. So one thing led to another, and and fast forward a whole number of years. Uh, one day I just said, "That's it. I'm going to start writing westerns," but I wasn't sure. And this has been probably. Ooh, close to 20 years ago. Yeah. Which sounds amazing. <laughs> um, women really didn't, and she's right, women really didn't write Westerns. It was guys. Yeah. And so what I did was I came up with a pen name that was, uh, what I thought was gen- gender neutral and it was Mesa, M E S A, Dean, D E A N. Now, Dean is my maiden name. Uh huh. So I thought that would work really well. So, what happened though, was I would write my fiction under Mesa Dean and not tell and I would just use the the gender neutral uh-huh. um, um, pronouns. And so I thought I was getting away with that until I did a book signing when I had a fiction and a nonfiction. and the nonfiction I had used my regular name, groves. Uh-huh. And so I ended up having two badges. I wore them both. Proudly. And I remember Wynn Blevins. I don't know if you know Wynn Blevins. But I he's remember the suit. name. Oh, he is such a character. As we were getting ready to go, and this was at the Festival of the West, I think it was. He's telling me, he goes, I hope both of you come back next year.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this is so neat you mentioned that because I just, I just got my issue of Roundup magazine, and they've mm-hmm. got a review of Lady of the Law, and mm-hmm. and I
1: love that Maud Overstreet character. She is something else. Well, the, the, genius. Really, the, the Colton brothers, oh, wow. the Colton brothers saga is like way way good. Uh, it, whoever wrote it is way well, way good. Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> it's just way way good.
2: All right. The, speaking of that, the last one of those is coming out um, it, next or oh, this month. Uh huh. This is, this is what June, yeah, it's coming out in June. It's called Trail to Ten Town. So that will be it. six of those. Okay. Uh, what it is, it's, it's the Colton brothers. There's four brothers and they all are relatively successful in Messiah. That's where they're all living. And so the second brother, James, gets this idea about, well, this is right near the end of the Civil War and California doesn't have, they weren't raising meat, any beef. So, um, Why don't we have a cattle drive and take our cattle to California? Mm -hmm. And one thing leads to another, and the brothers go, okay. So they were going to hire all these people, all these drovers, and and that didn't happen. So the four brothers ended up going. They had a cook, and they've ended up with a couple other uh, trail guys to help them along. And so they go through... A series of ups and downs, and of course, there is the bad guy, who was just an incredible bad guy. He he was just disgusting. He was gross, and <laughs> and I just I loved re, uh, writing him because you know he would spit, and half of the spit would go in his beard, and he'd rub it in his beard, and were you, were, I just had a, I had a delightful time doing that. When you
1: wrote that, were you thinking of past boyfriends?
2: Yes, <laughs> I want to play that part
1: when they make the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and you've got
0: And
2: to... Go so eventually, um, through uh, each one, and the, this bad guy wants to kill James, which is the second brother, but then he decides that he's going to cause havoc for all of the brothers, and it almost succeeds. And uh, that's that's a pretty much the. The synopsis of it in a nutshell. Okay. They uh, they do end up in California, but even that doesn't go as planned.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you got another so, one coming out uh, in June uh, before Billy the Kid from Two Dot Publishing.
2: I do actually. They've moved it to August. Oh, okay. To the pandemic. Um, yeah, and it will be coming out in August, and um, it's a nonfiction book, and it's by Two Dot. And uh, what I did was, I mean, everybody has to have a book about Billy the Kid. I mean, it's just part of the. <laughs> The contract, when you decide to write Westerns, you know, somewhere in there is a Billy the Kid book. <laughs> but I have always thought of Billy the Kid as my personal outlaw because I grew up in Las Cruces, uh, southern New Mexico, right next to Masia, where he was tried for killing uh, Brady. Mm-hmm. And I used to walk over into Masia, right in, in where the courthouse was at that time was a bar. Uh, and now it's a gift store, but uh, I always thought that he was my hero, might not hero, but yeah. my outlaw right. and then when I decided that I was going to write about him, I didn't want to take it from the standpoint of, oh yeah, this is what he did, and it, because yeah, mm-hmm. so I took it from this is the the person he was mm-hmm. he he was somebody really to be I think admired. Uh, now, I've had some discussions with a couple other historians who said I was nuts. You're
0: right. You're right. Not I, that you're I nuts, think, but you're right. I, but he's I one think, of my heroes, too. I I grew up I in Lincoln County. In and that's, Oh, there you go. And that's, you know, Billy the Kid is. He's gotten a bad rap. Well, you know, he. How can anybody that was so loved by the native New Mexicans be such uh-huh. a bad guy?
1: And we didn't have uh-huh. that bad of a press back then. I mean, not like we didn't <laughs> like have today. a press at all. <laughs> well, that's it,
2: neither here nor right. there. All right. Yeah. I think you and I talked about that in yeah. The yeah. Tucson there yeah. Yeah. in March. Uh huh
0: well you know i want uh, first of all I want to congratulate you on your new vice presidentship miss vice president <laughs> however you say that
1: madam vice president yeah you yeah. Go. Uh,
0: and I, I I want to go back for a second because Ma, i felt i've fallen in love with uh, Maud Overstreet i think i think the the, the, the townspeople you created there uh, the that the, the backstory the way things you know it's like totally illogical that a woman would become sheriff, and yet it's perfectly logical yep <laughs> yep,
1: my wife loved that book too all, all right. right on to when outlaws wore badges
0: Mont Street
1: what we're talking about when outlaws wore badges we can get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Black-hatted villains, white-hatted good guys of the Old West walk the streets of our imagination. Sounds like a movie uh, oh. intro there. Um, yeah. With Peter Lorre. Peter- <laughs> no, with Peter Loring I'd be talking like, he was riding
0: my horse and i saw this guy and i and i pulled my gun out and i shot him yeah, right, right.
1: and you see
3: what i have to work with here now folks oh i am sorry no discipline at all no discipline they, they haven't even opened the bottle of bourbon yet. yeah exactly and i don't
1: even drink <laughs> all right you take 14 of these guys uh, mm-hmm. Who wore the badges? Who may not have been uh, all they were cracked up to be, as it were. So let's uh, get started on it. Okay. Well, where do we start? Oh, about the beginning. <laughs> who's, who's our first one? Well, our first one. You're <laughs> going to
0: start in the front of the book. Aren't oh, you it? know, yeah. yeah the well, sneaky guy start in the back. Well, yeah. I um
2: I had some I had so much fun writing this book. It, again, it's called When Outlaws Wore Badges, and it's uh, put out by uh, Two Dot. And I got to thinking a few years ago about all of these good guys and bad guys and and the lawmen. And then I read somewhere, I think it was about Wyatt Earp, who had been um, arrested in, uh, oh shoot, what was the, in, um, oh, Uh, I can't think of the word. He was
1: arrested a number of
2: times. Well, yes, he was. But he was selling uh, gold bricks to these people in in the town in um, Texas. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? This is a guy who was a sheriff. Mm -hmm. And what's going on here? So Mm -hmm. I started thinking about it. And the more research I did, the more I thought, there's a book here. Absolutely. Like the Dalton brothers. I mean, how smart do you have to be? They decide, the Daltons decide to hold up two banks at one time because they want to be more famous than Jesse James. Right,
1: right. And
0: four, and four of them were all men at one time. Yeah.
2: Yes. And hmm. what banks are they going to rob? The ones in their hometown. I know. Everybody <laughs> knows them.
0: And they get with like, the false beards, and they're going, I know. why are the Daltons wearing false yeah. beards?
2: Yeah. And then on, on and top, top of that. <laughs> on a hot day. Exactly. On top of that, one of the, the banks they, they tried to rob, the bank, the um, I think it was the vice president of the bank, whoever it was, told one of the Daltons, he goes, oh, I would love to help you, but the the the, the lock is on a timer. And it's going to be another, <coughs> heck, 20, 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And so they said, okay, well, we'll wait. We'll wait. Yeah. So they <laughs> wandered around for a while. And the Shut thing was not, pizza. it wasn't locked. Uh-huh. There was no timer. But um, he, and eventually, of course, they... Most of them were killed, but how dumb do you have to be, not only in your hometown, but then to say, oh, okay, well, I'll wait.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> oh my- <laughs> you, 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 you never poop where you live, you know, so, yeah. I mean, why would, why would you even do that?
2: Well, you know, well, it was, I'm sorry, it was going to be their swan song. They had planned to rob both of these banks and be bigger than Jesse and Frank James, right. and then they were hightailing it to Mexico. Right. And they didn't quite get
0: there. Nope. Live in nope. Margaritaville, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. right? <laughs>
0: that's well, a, that's you a know, you you look at you look at Earp, You know, he was he was arrested a couple of times for uh, pimping. Uh, oh yeah. For one time, he was put in jail one time for horse theft. Yep. Mm-hmm. A misunderstanding. It's always a misunderstanding. Oh yeah, right, right. So many of these guys. What's amazing is you look at so many of these guys that were arrested, at, while they were lawmen. And they either never came to trial, or the charges were dismissed, or, or they just never showed up.
3: It, it, well, anyway. I think it's important to put it into perspective uh, a situation like Herb getting arrested for being uh, a pimp or managing a house of ill repute. That was in the state of Illinois where it was illegal. But throughout the West that we love so much that our show is based on, Voices of the West, It was perfectly legal. In fact, you were licensed. So I think it depends on your prerogative of where you are and what side of the fence you're on. So I don't think it's as easy to condemn for those activities. Horse stealing is horse stealing. That's a different story. Well, you know, that's that's a great point because, you you know. And I also would say at the same time, Bunker, as you've pointed out more than once, you know, uh, as the as the cowboys said to the herps, we're going to, you know, we're going to cut out your, your pimp hearts. Uh, This is coming from guys who shot and killed and murdered and raped people, stole their cattle and burned their ranches down. Uh, Only just, yeah, they wanted to make money, but there was a lot of fun involved. I mean, we're a little bored here on the prairie and we got to find a way to occupy ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's not as always... Uh, there's a lot more gray than we want to think there is. We look at the West as in the film as black and white.
0: You know, I'm going to throw something out there. For, for, and I think Melanie can really enlighten us on this. But one of the things I noticed, because I went off on a tangent after reading the book and came <laughs> up with my own list. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I kept noticing was that so much of these things were also based on animosities either the guy had been a sheriff and the new sheriff was in or uh, the old sheriff was out and he was in and everybody liked an that blah blah there was a lot a lot of just political chicanery and, mm. and you, know, you, you sometimes you wonder if these guys some of them were, did what they did and sometimes you, I
1: think some of them were framed. Quite possible. We got to do our fir- Got to do our first commercial break, and then we'll have a Melody comment about that. <laughs> Here on Mammal Franzi's Voices of the West, we're talking with Melody Groves, the book When Outlaws Wore Badges, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back with much more after these messages. earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911.
3: Watch Old West silent movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to Legion.org slash Honor Veterans to find out how you can help.
2: Ain't you just a little bit out of your
1: territory here, Marshal? I take my territory with me, and right now you're in it. This is the Voices of the West. If you like a lot of room around you own roaming, Where any place you stop your heart's at home in, if you like to see a campfire in the dolmen. There's an open range ahead We're back on Emil Franci's Voices the of the West Harry the Alexander Bunker to France Todd Roberts in Los Angeles Melody Groves our guest of, we uh, take our podcast wherever we go, and
0: right
3: now you're listening to.
1: It. <laughs> you know that, that that I love that quote from Matt Dillon. You yeah. know, as you, frequently he says, uh, you know, oh, Marshall, you're out of your territory. Well, my badge is my territory. Uh, how in your research, Melody, how many uh, lawmen did you come across that uh, actually might have thought that way?
2: I think uh, they all did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. They were interesting people. They uh, one of my my biggest questions was why would anybody in their right mind uh, a sheriff or somebody hire an outlaw to be their deputy, or why would a town hire hire an outlaw to be their sheriff? And the thing is, is they're the right material. They think like yeah. the outlaws. They're not afraid to use a gun. They're not afraid to bust heads. They, they, weren't, they understood. They understood yeah. the outlaw, and it made perfect sense.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of guy you would want. You know, it's, here's the other thing, too. You got, you've got a guy who he's probably, you know, you'll read, all these guys have tried everything. They've done everything, buffalo hunting, bartending, every job in the world. Yeah, that's the jobs that they keep coming back to, and you see Mm -hmm. them doing it from town to town, doing it. It can't be
1: the pay. It is if you're stealing on the side. Well, yeah, (laughs) Uh, but I mean, the the out-and-out pay uh, of it—what, thirty bucks a month, fifty bucks a month? I was amazed. There's
0: one guy there, uh, a town they hired him. I can't remember who it is now, Uh, but they paid him seventy-five dollars a month. That's big money.
1: Well, I realized that it was big money. But that's that's unusual, too, isn't it?
2: uh, Yeah, very unusual. And and what they would do is, the sheriff was in charge of collecting taxes, Uh and some of that, a certain portion of that, uh, would go to his salary. He always kept some out. And he been maybe a little bit more than what he should have. And, and, yeah, maybe more than his ten or fifteen percent. Fines and bounties
3: too. Mm-hmm. Well, that puts into perspective Wyatt Earp's uh, description of uh, Johnny Bean and also his description of Billy Breckenridge. He yeah. referred to Johnny Bean as a tax collector. He wasn't a lawman. He said he was a tax collector, and he referred yep. to Billy Breckenridge as a jailer which is just one step up from the guy who sweeps the floor and gives you coffee. A swamper.
0: <laughs> and that's what uh, Wyatt was doing when he got to Tombstone. Yeah. He was collecting taxes.
3: Well, he mm-hmm. was, yeah, because yeah, he got, he ingratiated himself to uh, Johnny Bean, and Bean said, uh, you can run for sheriff and I'll step down. Uh, but then at the last minute he said, no, let me run one more time and then you'll get it next time. And he, he beat him out of it. That's why he went over to the marshal's office.
1: Now, Melody, I'm going to, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, Bunker has kept the book under wraps, so I've not had a chance to read it. Um, I'll never read them anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, that's not true. You know <laughs> Only that. if they're on a, on a Kindle. No, 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 no. In any event. Um, I'm, oh, the, <laughs> the dog has turned his coat here. Yeah, you know. Oh. Well, well, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've taken. I'm, in, I'm indignant. Okay. <laughs> You should see the look on him. It is indignant to the max. In any event, um, I'm sure that you took a big look at uh, Wyatt Earp. Oh, now I remember what I was going to ask you about Wyatt Earp. Why in the world did he leave his job as a Pima County deputy sheriff and move down to Cochise County? Was it it because of uh, the brothers asking him to come down there?
2: Um, It was because that was quite the the up-and-coming boom town. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the the place to be. And, yeah, there was uh, money to be made.
1: Okay. And, gambling. and that's yeah.
2: gambling and, and uh, of course, a um, little bit of law. There really wasn't much law. When you think about the West, which makes it interesting that these guys are lawmen, when you think about the West, it's such a big place. And there were so many people coming in, uh, survivors from the Civil War and, in all shapes and sizes, and there really was not the law and order that there is today. And so they would come in and, and create their own kind of law. And the uh, the vigilantes, of course, mm-hmm. would uh, string people up because, first of all, it was quicker. And then second of all, there was no jail. Mm-hmm. Like, think about in Lincoln, uh, when the, the first few guys were jailed, there was no physical jail, so they dug a hole yeah. and put him in this hole. Hmm. And that was the jail. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, there was a... You know, I'm glad you mentioned the vigilantes. There was There was a uh, old lawman, John M. Lorne, who uh, was a vigilante and lawman and killer on the side.
1: <laughs> Aside from the Earps and the Daltons, who else is featured in this book?
2: Um, well, uh, there's a... I started with uh, Milton Yarbrough because he was uh, hanged here in Albuquerque. He was the very first uh, town marshal. And the town marshal was is the guy who the merchants got together and hired him to protect their business. But he had become friends with the sheriff here in Albuquerque um, named uh, Perfecto Armijo. And Albuquerque was brand new. This was 1881. And uh, the railroad had just come in, and so Albuquerque was new. There was what we call now Old Town, Mm -hmm. but that was about three miles away, and so then you have this, what they called New Town. But um, Yarberry had quite the history. He had actually been a Texas Ranger for not very long, maybe a month, but he... um, had also when as a teenager had caught, killed a couple of ranchers up in uh, I want to say Kansas and then um went on down through and became a Texas Ranger for a while and then he opened a billiards parlor and a saloon down in Texas and uh as soon as uh, this guy walked in one time and said I was looking for this this guy who turned out to be Milton Yarberry, because he was going by the name John Johnson at that time. And that night, turns out the guy was a bounty hunter, and that night, uh, Milton Yarberry sold his establishment and took off. And a few days later, they found the guy's body out in the middle of nowhere. Oops. But he also uh, joined what they call the Dodge City, um, Dodge City Gang, with Hoodoo Brown and and all of those guys Holiday, in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and then he ended up down or he was up in Canyon City for a while, went down to Las Vegas. That's Las uh, Vegas, he, New Mexico, not New Mexico. <laughs> the the real one, yeah, the, the real original, good one. <laughs> yeah, I I forget that there's two. <laughs> um, so anyway, he had a there was a saloon that he owned with another guy, and the guy got into a fight. And, um, while he was healing up, Milton Yarberry stole, well, he sold out to the partner who was healing up and stole his wife. And so the two of them took off, came down to Albuquerque and they were doing fine. Now she had a little four year old daughter and they're doing fine. And so Milton Yarberry becomes town marshal and, he discovers that the girl, that her name was Sadie, uh, had taken up with this guy who fancied himself quite the gunfighter. Turns out his grandfather and uncle had been governors of Tennessee, so he was this rich kid who wanted to be the, the bad boy, yeah. and so she took up with him, and the, uh, he and Milton Yardberry had a big fight, and Milton killed him. Hmm. Well... At that point, they said, oh, it was a fair fight, and Milton's okay, no problem there. So about three months later, Milton, who was a drunk and not very bright and definitely not very good-looking at all in the slightest, and a bully. He was not a very nice guy at all. He was sitting outside about three blocks from downtown, and he heard these gun gunshots and said, oh, I guess I need to go do my duty. So went down, and this guy was walking away and somebody pointed out that he's the one who fired, so Milton shot him, killed him. Wow. Turns out he uh, was a guy working for the railroad oh. and was unarmed. So they arrested him, and this, this, is, this is the really interesting part. They arrested uh, Milton Yarberry, and uh, the governor decided that this was right on the heels of the Billy the Kid Uh, and everybody was embarrassed uh, by Billy the Kid, you you know, up there in Santa Fe. And so they decided he was going to make make an example of Milton Yarberry and was not going to give him any leniency at all. So they found him guilty, did not give him a retrial. They found him guilty, guilty, guilty. So in 1883, they hiked hiked him down from Santa Fe under uh, the militia, brought him down and they hanged him. Well, they charged people a dollar to come watch the hanging. But what was interesting was, okay, this is Albuquerque's first town marshal who yes. justifiably got himself hanged. Yeah. As right before they did, he said, "You are hanging an innocent man." Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Well, this is the great but, the great part. But here's the, the interesting part. Yeah. Tell us. I know. i The gallows the that they used. <laughs> The ones that they used was not the usual gallows where, with the trapdoor, you stand on it, and the rope's around your neck, and then the trapdoor is released, and you come down, and you get hanged. Hopefully, it snaps your neck. All
1: right.
2: Well, what, with this one, it was a cannon lever, and Uh-oh. you were pulled up. <laughs> oh. Well, the problem was there was a big crossbeam, and he hit his head on the oh crossbeam. So they don't know, even to this day, whether he was killed with blunt force trauma or <laughs> his neck snapped. Wow. But, he, you know, he died. And then when they buried him, they left the noose on, buried him with the noose. And a few years later, they somebody who felt sorry for him erected a uh, tombstone and misspelled his name. <coughs> and Boy. a few years after that, the tombstone went missing, and then around 1960... Eighty years after this guy was killed, they found the tombstone in the basement of a church, and that has nobody knows where it is now.
0: Wow! You know, I, I read I read your when you wrote about this in True West, which I'd uh-huh. was before the thing. But I love I love the, the the way you described it. Jerked to Jesus! That just cracks right. me up.
2: Yeah, the Las Vegas optic coined that phrase. He was jerk to Jesus.
1: <laughs> All right. And on that note, we're going to uh, go on we're gonna to, our, our commercial. We're gonna go to our next commercial break here. It is Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts.
3: free consultation, call 304-8300.
1: The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Olajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000 square foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community check it out at tucontrapanski.com you've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights you out there
2: come one step near and old Bess here'll spit right in your eye
1: so you need to strike your own deal but you need the right henchman to do the job the stage is hauling a wells fargo box loaded with gold you've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold but like henchmen to pull off the job what to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red Hench users have to say. Well, you know,
0: when I joined Red Hench. I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was, and I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hinch without the proper henches around you, and that's just a gentle hitch.
1: When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent-a-henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow the right and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only
0: that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your
1: shoulder, get a -A Rennehench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Rennehench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work.
3: Yosemite Sam! It's Yosemite It's
0: Yosemite Sam! Yosemite Sam!
3: This is the Voices of the West.
1: We're back on Amo Franci's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker, to France. Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest in Albuquerque is... Uh, Melody Groves, uh, the book we're talking about, when outlaws wore badges. And she's no man pam. <laughs> Melody, how would uh, how, how, how how would uh, Yosemite Sam handle some of these guys? Yes.
0: <laughs> I think he was a, he was a sheriff in a lot of. He those. was.
1: He yeah. was a sheriff. He was a lawman, and he was also. He a was backup. also a Hessian. Yes, exactly. Hey, Melody.
0: Uh huh. Let's let's go to your favorite, Albert. Oh. He is such a he is such a what a beautiful bad guy. Well that's no, her guy. You know, he, well okay, I'll get the introduction. Yeah, here. do it. He he, he was, uh, I don't know, what was he was what was county sheriff, yeah, down in mm-hmm. Ochese County, and mm-hmm. Albert him and Albert Bert Albert, yeah, and him and a bunch mm-hmm. of his deputies were sitting around. Switching ideas, and he said, let's rob a train. No, that yeah, that burned over, yeah. yeah. And they said, well, that's a great idea. And they said, no, wait a minute. We can't do that. You're the sheriff. Yeah. So he hunched, He hunched up a plan. You thought this guy had some henchmen. Yes, he did. They, they're in the back room playing poker. Don't bother them. They slip out the window, head up north. Robbed a train, rum come back. Get, we're sitting there playing the poker game. Word comes in, they go. Well, do you think we should bother? Well, I don't know. Yeah. They said, "Well," what? so they they say, "They robbed a train." Damn. Well, we better form a posse. You three fellows there, you come with me. You're my you're my posse. He looked all over for himself and
1: couldn't find himself. Yeah, Doug Hawking tells a great story about that too. So go ahead, Melvin. Uh huh.
2: You're you're doing fine. <laughs> did I steal
0: Did I steal all the good stuff?
2: Uh, no, actually, he, he was quite the character. I would love to have gone to some parties with this guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm Does sure it. he was just. Uh, I don't think he was real bright, but uh, yeah, it was the only time that they know of where the robbers and the posse were one and the same. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You know, he, he kept following the tracks. They said, they look awful
2: familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, he goes back into town, he and his, his posse, the next morning, and just, they're so crestfallen. He goes, oh, we couldn't find him. Oh, this Failures. is so terrible. Failures. Oh, Todd, yeah.
3: Todd Roberts, what's your take on this? well i think that you know um there's that song by the rolling stones there's a fine line between the sinners and the saints (laughs) and i think that uh you know um if we look at history through crime uh you know who often do the police departments hire they hire reformed criminals because there is such a fine line and who knows it better than them
0: right
3: Uh, and at the same time the lawman and you understands the mentality of the uh of of the criminal um because he's so close to him and you know obviously although it's a fictionalized story i think it there's a lot of truth to it in the film the gunfighter with gregory peck where uh you know his buddy mark the sheriff uh they all rode together as a gang of outlaws but robin banks and one day he said I'm done, and I just rode far enough away where nobody knew me, and I asked for a job, and I now I'm the sheriff. So I think that that probably happened more often than we know. Um, I think Melody has obviously uncovered it, and I think that you know it, it, there is this fine line, and it's very great. Uh, as much as we love to swallow the Kool-Aid that Hollywood has fed us, that... Everything's so black and white, white hats and black hats. They didn't even get the white hats and the black hats right. Right. The black hats were worn by the good guys, and the white hats were worn by the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they were in the sun and, out and on the trail and wore feathers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, you <laughs> yeah. know, I think that you know, Melody, you're obviously onto something. I, I guess my question for you, Melody, is: Do you have a particular guy or gang? that were, you know, really outlaws masquerading as lawmen or lawmen who were really masquerading as outlaws? In other words, were they, do you have somebody in mind particularly that is prominent in the respect of being kind of the accidental lawman or the accidental outlaw?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. Hmm. Probably um, the one that comes to mind most of all would be Tom Horn. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm, I think he
2: was basically in the wrong place at the wrong time. I have no doubt that he killed uh, the kid, but I think it was a case of mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. And I think he just uh, wasn't paying attention.
3: He was wearing his father's coat.
2: Uh huh. Uh,
3: And he thought the father, and he knew the father to be associated with some rustlers and he, he picked him off one day what he didn't realize is the son was wearing the coat. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think, I think he got sloppy. Um, and as we know, uh, unfortunately when you get sloppy, it affects everything and everybody. Well,
1: there was a, a news story just a couple of days ago about a judge in, uh, remote Texas, uh, town who was arrested for cattle rustling, and his the relatives, his relatives abound in the city of. Eight town of eight hundred or whatever, uh, like the, uh, the there's a relative who's the district attorney, another relative who's the <laughs> sheriff, sheriff. There, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and and so forth. And I imagine the the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, really had their hands full with that investigation.
0: They, they had some shady shady Rangers too.
1: Well, hey, there's no doubt know, about that. Th- this yeah. is
0: one thing too. You know, Todd was out there, you know, talking about sloppy. Horn got sloppy the way a lot of guys got sloppy. Talking too much when he was drinking. Yeah, yeah, that that happened. But you know, this is this just kind of shows you getting back to Alvord for a second.
3: Uh,
0: he can't be all bad because John Slaughter hired him as his deputy, and Slaughter was a good judge of men.
3: Well, well, and there's a great example, Melody. I would love you to talk about John Slaughter. Yeah. I don't know if he's in your book or not, but you know, I I look at Slaughter to me as a good guy, but. He definitely had, um, shall I say, very unconventional ways of dealing with people, which is he warned you one time and said, uh, you know, uh, you see me again, it's going to be one time too many. And then they would end up dead on the side of the highway. Uh, Do you think he's do you think he ever got sloppy and 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 shall I say plugged somebody that didn't deserve it? Or was he pretty much on the money?
2: No, I, I I agree. I think he did uh, get sloppy a time or two and uh, not pay attention. Partly because he had a pretty decent ego, and when the ego gets in the way, then the brain just kind of goes out the window.
0: Hmm.
2: And um, Imagine I, a I do five th- foot tall ego. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that there was a, a one or two people who went down who should not have have uh, you know bit the dust, so to speak. Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, there's an interesting thing, too, because supposedly Slaughter hired Albert because he believed that Albert didn't know the meaning of the word fear, as you say in the book. Right. And that's right. also a, a good way of describing most of these guys. You know, these guys weren't like you see in the movies. When they get caught, they become sniveling and whining and crying. These guys, when they got caught, fought. And because also they also thought they could escape from jail if they didn't get lynched first.
2: Right. Well, Another thing that Alvord uh, did, uh, supposedly, and I'm, I don't know Tucson that well. I've only been there about 40 times. There's a,
1: <laughs> I grew up here and I still don't know it.
2: <laughs> uh, a street in Tucson called Alvord, and it's supposed yeah. to be named after Bert Alvord. Uh-huh. Because that's a, an unusual enough last name. But um Bert Alvord was was the practical joker, as, as I mentioned in my book, and I think one of the things that, he just, he cracks me up, other than robbing the train and then having all of his friends deputized to go off and get the posse, he was part of the Alvord-Styles gang, which apparently at one time was the most fierce, fearsome mm-hmm. gang there in uh, Arizona, and I remember. Uh, one time they the, the people wanted him gone just go away and so he and styles took off and did um sent a notice to the news to the the news what am i saying newspaper mm-hmm. and said oh uh bert alvard and and um henry styles are dead and poor things they they got killed and the people there in tombstone were like oh yay yay they're (laughs) gone and so they 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 said you know the bodies will be on the the stage from bisbee so the stage from bisbee bisbee shows up and they're like yay yay they're dead they're dead and the the uh uh undertaker takes the bodies away and goes um no these are some mexicans oh boy. definitely mexicans and so the, the question is did bert and and his partner kill these guys mm-hmm. or did they find them dead already mm-hmm. and put them in so a couple days later uh albert and styles show up and, and they they have the audacity they get off the stage in a tombstone and, of course, everybody's gathered around and they say, yeah, don't we look like ourselves? We, we take our bodies everywhere. Don't we look like ourselves? <laughs>
0: yeah, we never go anywhere without them. Yeah. Well, oh. do, tell us about the boxing match.
2: Oh, <laughs> down in Bisbee, they decided or, or Albert decided that uh, to make some money, they would have boxing. And boxing was very, very popular at that time. Even more than it is today, I guess, because they didn't have football. So they said, "Okay, well, we're going to have this boxing match." So he says, "Okay." So he found this guy who to take a fall. He said, "All right." So they they found a, the boxing area was what a pigsty. I can't remember now exactly what it was, but I know it was a lot of um, dung, and it was not a very good place. Mm. So they said, okay, well, we're going to... Uh,
1: good, good to cushion the fall, but that's about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, cushion the fall. Yeah, it's, but anyway, so th- there was a lot of hoop do do about it. And the money was flowing, and there was a lot of money changing hands. And, of course, uh, Alvord was right in the middle of it. So the fight commenced, and the big guy did not take the fall. He, he wouldn't go down. And so all of a sudden, Albert goes, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. So they, he and his buddy jump on on horses and, and make a beeline out of town while everybody else is chasing after him, realizing that they'd all been had. Mm-hmm. But Albert had a, a fistful of money with him.
1: Oh,
0: boy. Well, hey, how about and I love his name, <laughs> Hoodoo Brown. Who do? Hoodoo, Hoodoo Brown. Yeah. You do. Who do what?
1: I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was the head of the Los, uh, the the Dodge uh, Dodge City Gang. Yeah. And apparently, he got his name because he dabbled in the the mystic arts, mm. supposedly. Mm-hmm. But he. He, he made was another all his character.
0: Disappear?
2: Yeah. 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 Well, he disappeared. Yeah. He actually, he really did disappear. Nobody knows what happened to him. Wow. Um, but he was in Las Vegas, the real one, not the pretend one. <laughs> <laughs> and there the reason they called it the Dodge City Gang was there was a lot of people who had been the outlaws in Dodge City had come to Las Vegas because Dodge City was getting some law and order. And so the the outlaws simply moved west to Las Vegas that had basically no law and order. Hmm. So Hoodoo Brown decided he was going to be the law and the order. And Las Vegas is divided. There's a river, well, river. There's a stream, okay.
1: An arroyo. An arroyo. An arroyo
2: that that (laughs) runs through it. And there's East Las Vegas and West Las Vegas. And still today, there's that division. Yeah. And if you're from one side, you. You go to the other side, but those are fighting words. The two high schools have rumbles all the time oh, about yeah. who's better. Oh, geez,
1: that's good.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it has never died. And at one time, Las Vegas was a huge city, and now it's it's not very big. Well, they we have the um,
0: John Johnson heavyweight title fight. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, there you go. There you go. Hey, we got to do um, our – go
1: ahead. No, was, go ahead. I was going to say, we got to do our final commercial break here, but did you want to wrap that up first? Uh,
2: just that Hoodoo okay. Brown, <laughs> Huda, yeah, Huda Brown was in, in charge of Las Vegas, and he just did all sorts of nasty things, including in charge of killing people for a fee. So He would have somebody shoot somebody, uh, and then he would get some of the reward money. It was very interesting, and... Yeah, he, he finally would. got he finally got asked to leave.
0: Mm. He, he was justice of the peace, mayor, and coroner.
2: Yes, well. he was.
1: You know, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with any of that. Hey, we got to do our <laughs> final commercial break. Our guest, Melody Groves, the book "When Outlaws Wore Badges," winner of the twenty twenty one New Mexico and Arizona Book Awards in the history Ooh. and other category. We are on Amel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back with much more after this. Arizona, the land of cattle,
0: copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester
1: 73. (laughs) Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank in Tucson. 520-777-1911.
3: Read classic western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net.
1: Donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse it Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse it Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseataroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseataroundrescue.org.
2: Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will
1: include the Soldiers' Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. We've got to get the judge and Jim Bannister out of this community or we're out of luck. The only place in the town is doing any business is the jail, where Most of my men are in it.
3: This is the Voices of the West. He always
0: sing regular music to the cattle as they swing. Back and forward in the saddle on the horse That was Gated. there was such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater How they run when they hear the fellas gun and the western folks all know
1: He's a high rootin'-tootin' son of a gun from Arizona, Ragtime Cowboy Joe. Now out in Arizona where the bad men are, the only friend to guide you is that evening star. The roughest, toughest man before was Ragtime Cowboy Joe. We're back on Amo Franci's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts, our guest Melody Groves. Gotta do a music show, man, because... I
0: love that song. <laughs> right right time
1: Cowboy Joe, man. You can't go mm-hmm. wrong go with that stuff. It's a toe-tapper. Girl. It is. Yeah, it is.
0: Uh, I want to just, because, you know, while the while, uh, Brown was in uh, Las Vegas, the gang uh, was made up. They were there. And J.J. J. Webb was the town marshal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mysterious Dave Mather, Joe Carson, Dirty Dave Rudabar were there. And also, this is funny. Off and on, Doc Holliday was part of the Dodge City
2: gang. Was he really? Yeah. Yes, he was. Well, no.
0: Can you tell mm-hmm. throw some light on that? Because you know, it's it, you know, you never think of him. You know, you think of him as
1: being a low life gambler. you yeah. know. And, and, you got about a minute and a half, uh, Melody.
2: Okay. Sure. Uh. Yeah, he it definitely was a low life, a low life gambler. But and he was not afraid to shoot anybody. But I think he went to Las Vegas because that's where the money was, right. and you know, just like everybody else, he was following the the money circuit.
0: And he had a couple of saloons that up in the northern Arizona, and <clears throat> that the Dodge City gang were there with him. But he was he was running mm-hmm. a gambling saloon and, yes. and and theater. I love that mm-hmm. gambling and saloon and theater. <laughs>
2: That makes that
1: makes it legitimate, yes.
2: (laughs) Right, legitimate theater. Uh huh.
0: Yes, yes. And starring starring the Prairie (laughs) Dogs. Who's
2: your
1: favorite Who's your favorite lawman turned outlaw in this book, Melody?
2: I think it has to be Bert Alvord. Yeah, Alvord. I just he is the funniest guy ever.
1: You know, the, the truth is stranger than the fiction in in this case. He knew how to have fun. You know, nothing wrong with that kind of he, stuff. He really did. Evil Roy Slade. Yeah. Well, congratulations on uh, winning the 2021 North uh, New Mexico and Arizona Book Award for Outlaw When Outlaws Wore Badges. And by golly, your books should always win awards because uh. they were, they're <laughs> just <laughs> <award>. that good.
2: <laughs> well, of thank awards. you. Buckets.
1: Yeah, if we had awards to hand out, by golly, we'd be handing them out to you. We'd give you you a bucket. There you go.
2: Oh, thank you.
1: (laughs) Check is in the mail, right?
2: Right, right.
0: Uh You know, there's the Pulitzer Prize, and then there's the Pew Pulitzer Prize.
2: (laughs) You guys are funny. What's coming up for
1: you next, Melody? What are you working on?
2: Oh, I am working on uh, the third installment of the Mod Overstreet Game? Oh, um, great, great. book, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. This one is going to have a um, school f- for Chinese girls, is going to be part of it, and um, let's see, I'm also working on a book, a fiction that is set in Texas uh, about a, um, a young man who's who kind of like some of the people in here? He wants to be a, a robber. He wants to be a bank robber and wants to be better known than Frank and Jesse James. Mm. But he just doesn't have it in him. He's just—he's too, too much of a nice guy. We
1: gotta get your—we so. uh, gotta get some of your books turned into movies. Yeah. I, I would, would love yeah. that.
0: Yeah. I was—I was just thinking the same you thing know, that Maude Street yeah. would make a great we'll, kind of we'll, like a
1: Longmire Meyer. Uh, well, uh, short, I'm, I'm, short think, I'm thinking our friend—I think I'm thinking our friend Travis Mills. But in any event, we're oh, out of time. Uh-oh. Thank you, Melody, so much for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it well, so much. Well, thank you
2: for inviting me. I you appreciate bet. it. Oh, you're, you're always
1: welcome. You. That's oh, it for this edition of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. What are we doing next week? I have not a, not a clue. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts, thank you so much. 78, Adios. 79,
0: 80 outlaws. <laughs> oh, thank everybody. 80. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Emil Francis' Voices of the West.